What is up, restaurant world? Welcome to The Tip Share, where we dive deep into the labyrinth of all things restaurant, open up conversations with owners, operators, vendors, and industry experts to explore everything that's happening within the industry and its current climate. Sit back, grab your shift drink, and let's share our tips. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Tip Share. Today we are excited to go over something that affects every single restaurant, every single bar program, food program, uh, and that is cost of goods. Um, So restaurant cost of goods, or to some call it cost of sales, also okay. We all know this takes up a significant amount of a restaurant's overall expense. But unfortunately, many owners and operators fail to see how COGS for restaurants can significantly negatively impact profitability and cash flow if it's mismanaged or handled inconsistently. Point blank here, guys, it's critical to the health and survival of all restaurants that you intimately understand your COGS and how to manage them accurately. All right, let's dive right in. What are COGS and more specifically, how are they calculated? The COGS acronym stands for cost of goods. And like I mentioned earlier, some might also call it cost of sales. And when you see a cost on your P&L, it always uses the same calculation. Your opening inventory plus your purchases, minus your credits, minus your ending inventory, all divided by sales. So let's break it down. Begin with your opening inventory. While reviewing your financial statements, this is your inventory at the beginning of the period and is represented by the initial dollar amount of product on your shelves. If you're reviewing weekly, this is your inventory at the beginning of the week. If you're reviewing monthly or period-based, this is your inventory at the beginning of the month or period. Next, we're going to add in our purchases. This is the most straightforward. These are the purchases that you're going to make throughout the week. From there, we're going to subtract any credits, and then we're going to subtract our ending inventory. Our ending inventory, just like our beginning inventory, is flipped the dollar amount of inventory remaining on our shelves at the end of our review period, so monthly, period-based, weekly. To evaluate the cost as a percentage of our sales, we're going to want to divide the dollar amount derived from the above steps into our total sales. Our final number is going to paint a picture and start to tell us how much money we're actually making on the food and bev that we're selling. All right, now that we know the formula, let's look at some tips about our cost of goods. When reviewing our COGS formula, it's important to understand that your sales basis is the sales for that respective cost basis. Now, what I mean by this is our food cost is a percentage of our food sales, our liquor cost is a percentage of our liquor sales, and so on and so forth. You should have corresponding cost categories with your master sales departments. Therefore, the percentage is based on the basis of your specific sales. For operators who count inventory by the week, this formula is the most accurate way to calculate the cost of the product that you've gone through during the week. If your restaurant doesn't count inventory, however, change the opening and inventory to zero. In doing this, understand that the formula still applies, but this means your cost is simply based on the following. Your purchases minus your credits divided into sales. Your inventory is not factored in because you do not take it, so you obviously don't have an accurate number to insert into that formula. Now, why does counting inventory actually matter? Your total inventory dollars live on your balance sheet as an asset, and they represent the total dollar amount of product you have on your shelves. The recommended best practice is to keep this number as low as you can without running out of product. 
Remember, the more inventory you have on hand, the less cash you have in the bank. With cash flow being tight for restaurants, reducing the total inventory value will help free up some of your cash. It's important to be reviewing your total inventory on hand period over period to make sure you don't have any large swings that could be negatively impacting your cash flow. Counting inventory is the best way to get an accurate representation of what your true usage really is. In your inventory should be a total of all your food products. Any beverage and beer, wine, liquor, and for our QSR clients, we suggest including your packaging in this as well. Now some food for thought, another benefit to counting inventory is that you're touching all of your equipment, storage areas, walk-ins, freezers, etc. And it's a perfect time to perform a facility maintenance check and verify that reach-ins are holding temps, walk-in freezers aren't icing up, and equipment is in working order. This enables you to stay on top of any needed maintenance proactively so you can ensure that you don't have serious maintenance issue catch you by surprise and cost you even more money. Okay, so let's jump right into an example. Brian's Liquor Barn does 10,000 per week in liquor sales. Week one, our purchases are heavy in liquor and prep for the busy month, so we've got a purchase of 4K. Week two, we overordered so much the previous week that no purchase is needed, so we've got $0 purchase for week two. Going into week three, we're starting to run out of key products, so we're gonna need to purchase about, we'll say 2,000 worth of product. And finally, week four, let's just get one smaller purchase on the books to get us through the month. We're looking at about 1,200. All right, we're gonna keep these numbers in mind, and on the next slide, I'm gonna go through the difference between what it's gonna look like if you count inventory versus if you do not count inventory and how this will affect what your costs look like. All right. So here we can see all of Brian's Liquor Barn purchases on this chart from week one to four. So keep in mind that the bar does 10K in sales per week. So that means week one, bar's liquor cost is 40%. That's beginning inventory plus purchases minus credits and ending inventory divided by sales. And here we're using $0 for inventory because we don't count. So it's the same procedure for each week, right? So we've got our 4K in purchases, which comes out to 40% cost. Week two, we're going down to a 0% cost. Week three, 20% cost. Week four, 12% cost. As you can see here, this looks like an EKG chart, right? It's pretty sporadic. There's not a lot of consistency, which means the information is not really meaningful to us because there are no real trends or baselines for us to build from, and it makes troubleshooting nearly impossible. We're looking at our costs purely on the basis from our purchases. Okay, so let's look at the same example and apply it with the instance of actually counting inventory each week. So our purchases are gonna stay the same, right? Our 4K, our zero, our 2K, and our 1200. But what changes here, again, is counting inventory on the shelves at the beginning and the ending of each week. So what I want you to notice here that our opening inventory week one is 1K, and our ending inventory after four weeks is still at 1K. So Brian actually went through all the product that was purchased, and you can see that because your inventory stayed exactly the same from week one to week four. So now we'll apply our COGS formula. Opening inventory plus purchases minus credits minus ending inventory divided by sales. 
So your cost percent with counting inventory is clearly much more stable. We've got it at about 18% throughout the month. And now this is giving you your baseline costs. So clearly in this example, we took some liberties here to really hammer home the point of the importance of counting inventory. No one's really ever gonna have this perfectly straight line, but you can see how different our graphs are without those major fluctuations when we actually have that inventory number plugged in. And so our costs aren't based off of heavy or light purchase weeks. This now enables you to actually see when there's a large fluctuation based on waste or theft or anything of the sort, because you've got a more stable baseline to judge from, right? If you look at the left-hand side, you're not gonna be able to tell when there's heavy fluctuations because it's already fluctuating so much. So again, this is one of the reasons why we think it is so incredibly important to be counting your inventory. And on that note, let's talk about best practices for counting inventory and getting it accurate. First off, we love a two-person counting system. Always have the same person call out the inventory and the same person record it. Always use consistent counting units. Make sure you count the product the same way each time so again there are no fluctuations or differences in how you're counting. It's best to organize and maintain shelf to sheet count sheets. You should try to make your count sheet flow in a way that is shelf by shelf. Like we discussed a little bit earlier, keep those inventory levels low. This helps you count product quicker and also it helps you manage theft, spoilage, and obviously low inventory helps with cash flow. Lastly, if you can't consume it, do not count it. This rings true for most restaurants unless you are a QSR, then we recommend you include your packaging. You can utilize a declining spending budget to manage your supplies paper products, to-go packaging, anything like this. These, projects should, these products should always be budgeted out. Let's dive into some common misconceptions surrounding our COGS. Common misconception number one, purchases are the same as usage. This is false. So let's go back to the COGS formula. Just because you had X amount of purchases for the week doesn't actually mean you sold all of that purchased product. You can think back to the example we just looked at with Brian's Liquor Barn. If you're not counting inventory, whether or not that product was actually sold should still be reflected as your cost for that week. All right, misconception number two. My cost is high because I purchased extra for the next period. False. Again, let's go back to that formula. The math always rings true. Higher purchases don't have any bearing on your cost because you're inventorying the product. The usage is still what you are actually utilizing throughout that accounting period. Okay, number three, buying in bulk saves money. Eek, we're gonna go true false on this one. It's kind of a catch 22. Just because you might save a dollar through bulk discounts doesn't mean you're actually gonna use the product. If you do, however, want to buy in bulk, be smart when you do it based on the history of your product usage. Ask yourself if saving a dollar here and there will truly help you in the long run. Last one, inventory is a time suck. False, 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 false. Think of inventory as an investment. You have tens of thousands of products sitting on your shelf, which is an asset and an investment to the business. Inventory should be properly received, managed, stored, and tracked. 
The more accurate and consistent your inventory is, the easier it is to identify areas of opportunity and concern. By engaging your management team in the inventory process and having a real baseline in which they can make meaningful decisions, you're ultimately going to save more money with the impact they can have than the actual labor dollars it costs for them to perform inventory. Now we briefly mentioned waste earlier, but let's get into some best practices now for how to manage and control waste for your food and bar program. First and foremost, we love a declining spending budget and ordering par levels. Get your whole team involved in forecasting and make sure the order writers know the pars should be as fluid as your sales are fluid. How do you do this? Use a declining spending budget that keeps track of purchases throughout the week and tells you how much you have left to spend. Next, waste tracking. Go old school. Use a clipboard or even a waste bucket in the kitchen to help quantify that waste. If you insist on ringing it in through the point of sale, void that sale with the category of waste instead of comping or discounting it. Make sure you check with your state to see what's required with waste. This is especially relevant to liquor. Some jurisdictions require spillage to go through your POS to ensure it's all accounted for. All right, WEPT. Let's talk about what WEPT means. W stands for waste. So is your kitchen experiencing true waste like spoilage or are your managers over ordering on par levels? E stands for error. Is there a mistake in the way your servers are ringing in items through the POS? Do they know the difference between a void and a comp? P, portion size. Because restaurants have such thin margins, every penny counts. And if half an ounce of extra dressing is going on all of your salads, let me tell you those pennies will add up quickly. T, theft. Is product going out the back door? Is it being given away to customers without being run in? These are all things that you need to be tracking and keeping a very close eye on in order to make positive changes in your COGS. Lastly, and we've mentioned it now two times before, and we'll go for a third time's a charm here, keep your inventory levels low. Lower inventory levels are proven to minimize your waste because the less product available, the less likely your staff is to overportion. However, do keep in mind this is a delicate balancing act. Never keep your inventory levels so low that you're running out of product because mm, we all know that reflects poorly on your brand. So you need to find the level that really works for your restaurant. Find that inventory sweet spot. All right, last look here. Um, we are gonna check out a bonus strategy to reduce your food cost. Everybody loves that, right? If you're not currently involved in any manufacturer rebate programs, or more commonly known as a group buying organization, GBO, then you might be missing some cost savings that could help decrease your overall cost. A group buying organization leverages the purchasing power of all of its members to negotiate contracts with suppliers that end up benefiting everybody in that organization. As part of a larger group, you've got strength in numbers, which leads to lower product costs that you could not attain on your own. Building relationships with your direct vendors and reps from your food and beverage vendors can help you maximize the savings that the national corporate chains are actually getting from negotiating their rebate programs just by finding out what you've got available in your area. Check with your main distributors to see what programs they might have available to you. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of the Tip Share. We always love sharing our knowledge with you. 
And please check us out on www.razzyusa.com for more resources and helpful information on restaurant operations management. Have a wonderful day, y'all. Thanks for joining us this week on The Tip Share. Make sure to visit our website where you can view more educational content, subscribe to our monthly newsletter so you'll never miss an episode. Thanks again.